Our memories, mental ghosts that haunt our brains. What do alien feet look like? Asking for a friend. Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Hello! Hey! And welcome back to This Paranormal Life. This is the weekly comedy podcast where every Tuesday, me, Kit Greer Mulvena, the guy sitting across from me, Rory Powers, we get into a different paranormal case every Tuesday and decide by the end of the episode whether it's truly paranormal or not. Yeah. How the hell are you doing, Rory? I'm stressed. I've got a lot on. We've been working like crazy and we're just about to dive into a paranormal story. And to be honest with you, I don't feel ready. I don't feel prepared mentally, physically. It's it's pretty understandable. I mean, the life of a paranormal investigator. I mean, you guys think that the stuff we show you every Tuesday is everything that's going on. What do you think is happening Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yeah. Kit's got a kid. (laughs) I've got 13 of them. Well, yeah, we have childcare, obviously, and family duties, but I was talking about the actual other paranormal investigations we're getting into. Most of the shit you get up to as a paranormal investigator is far too dark, disturbing, and perverted, frankly. It's true. To show on a public, family-facing podcast. I also don't technically care for my children, so you couldn't call it childcare. Right, yeah, me (laughs) me caring for my one child is uh, more than Rory does for his 13. But but what you're saying is we're someone who lives two different lives, you know, Imagine if Neo in the first Matrix movie took the red pill and the blue pill at the same time. He both (laughs) went to the world where robots can fly in the sky and also stayed in the world where he has to do emails every Monday. We we, we live in both worlds. So yeah, we want to fight with Morpheus. We want to take down Agent Smith. We want to save the world. But also, I've got the big meeting proposal on Monday morning at 8 a.m. and I have to be there, files in hand, to deliver that presentation. Uh, Rory, well, I'm afraid I don't know if today's episode is going to be much help because unfortunately I'm going to be heaping another steaming pile of paranormal on your plate uh, first Ooh. thing here on Friday morning. All right, well, let me just, I can do it. Let me just get in the mood a little bit. Yeah, that's the kind of energy. I'm going to drink this entire pint of iced coffee before we get going as well. All right, Whoa, give me that, a second. That's not, that's not coffee. Don't drink oh, that yeah. shit. That's white spirit. I've been painting. Stop. What? Stop. Why? You can hear me. Why are you still drinking? Why are you still drinking? Because I want to die. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. I thought you were getting the energy to podcast, to perform. <laughs> you said, Stop drinking. Stop drinking. <laughs> you said, let me take a drink from this coffee real quick and then used a screwdriver to open a paint can. <laughs> you must have known it wasn't coffee. <laughs> you grabbed the Pritt stick and started huffing it <laughs> to take the pain away. We are getting dark here. Woo! on this week's episode of This Paranormal Life, but that's not where we're going because, Rory, we have, as always, as every week, a brand new paranormal investigation to get into. Something we're going to do right after some quick words from today's sponsors. All right, Rory, let's get into today's case. It's the 21st of October, 1978, in Melbourne, Australia. Ooh, hey, we were just in Australia not that long ago, having breakfast served to us at 200 miles per hour. (laughs) It was the egg. It was the egg. (laughs) One which you reminded me during our uh, Patreon after party, that's patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. You reminded me that that was actually a double guess too. So we were in Australia, not only investigating the paranormal but actually giving it a big certified stamp of approved yeah yeah um one that you kind of did quite bitterly at the end of the episode of course but every double yes is a certified fresh from this paranormal life meaning that that happened 
Yeah, that shit's it's, real. It's canon. So the fact that we're going back to Australia for another paranormal case, we already know that there are paranormal events that have taken place here that are legit. It's been a big year for uh, Australia coverage here on TPL, and Lord knows we haven't been going back because of our award-winning Australian accents. It's because the paranormal seems to be just kicking off yeah. over there. Whether it's Pine Gap, whether it's the egg, or whether it's the subject of today's investigation. It was a little after six in the evening and 20-year-old pilot Frederick Valentich was sitting in the cockpit of his Cessna 182 light aircraft, awaiting approval for the flight plan he'd just filed at Moorabbin Airport. His tank was full of fuel, the weather report looked good, and he was ready to soar into the sky. Mm. Delta Sierra Juliet, this is Melbourne. You have clearance to take off to King Island. Please taxi to runway B. Awesome, thank you, Tower. I'm headed out to the island to pick up a shipment of shrimp and a bunch of my mates. We're gonna have a blast! Delta Sierra Juliet, please keep transmissions to essential information only. Sorry, I'm a bit of an oversharer. So, even that, for example, not necessary. I won't do it again, mate. Delta Sierra Juliet, you're clear to take off. He was a young... The thing is, I think it's because I care oh, so Jesus much about my Christ. trade. We have so I many think... planes, I need to give clearance. <laughs> You've got a 30-second window, mate. Please take it. Right, right. It's just my friends... Stop talking. <laughs> Do you want a shrimp? Because we're bringing back a whole crate of them. Oh, you missed your runway. You're going to have to wait for another two hours, mate. <laughs> Oh, do you know what? I can't listen to this for another two fucking hours. You've got to go. Can you turn off your radio? I can hear it crackling. Turn it off. You're sitting in silence. I can hear you. This is crying noises going from the radio. <laughs> Even crying is a noise. <laughs> turn it off. I just don't understand what you want from me, mate. Crying is not essential information. <laughs> he was a young pilot. He'd only qualified 13 months ago. And he's still trying to log his flight hours while he was studying for his commercial license. Right. He loved being in the air and dreamed of a life flying jets for a big airline. But the feeling of freedom didn't last. It wasn't long until he realized a large unidentified object was looming above him. Whoa. The sky was already dark, but whatever was flying overhead him had bright spotlights shining directly down. Oh my God. And from the sounds of it, this is someone who is, you know, if he's training to get his wings or and logging flight hours, I'm assuming he's not going to be in an aircraft with any kind of weaponry. <laughs> right. Generally, they don't trust you with that. Yeah. When you're just getting used to things, you know. And an airplane is quite a difficult vehicle to roll down the window and take a couple shots <laughs> with a handgun. It kind of, uh, you roll that window down, you're going out. So I don't really know what you do in this situation. Yeah, I think at this point, Frederick maybe had a pen knife maybe right. in his pocket. that he, If he could, sure, if he could get close enough to the thing, he might be able to lean out and, uh, and, and slash, slash its wings or something. I don't know. <laughs> like the drag race in an old 1950s movie. I mean, it's worth bringing up is I mentioned the type of aircraft he's in, a Cessna. Do you know what that is? A Cessna? No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm going to show you because it'll really help illustrate the kind of thing we're dealing with here. That's a Cessna. Oh, all right. Let me put it in simple terms that our listeners might be able to understand if they're not familiar with the technical terms for airplanes. Uh, 
Indiana Jones jungle plane <laughs> right. is right. what this is. Yeah, Indy is slumped at the back of the plane, hat over his face so he can get some shut eye, obviously. Yeah. You know, and his his glamorous um, female companion is, she's freaking out, obviously. She's scared of the plane and he's going, get some shut eye. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be there in a few hours. That kind of an energy. Yeah, this thing is like a, a borderline prop plane. Very small. It's, it, it is. It's a propeller. This one we're looking at has a propeller at the front, propeller at the back. Small, pretty cool looking, old fashioned airplane. He snatched the radio and contacted Melbourne Flight Service Unit, the FSU. You know, sometimes in this paranormal life, we have to use our imagination in these kind of moments. And guess what might have been said? Use the audio medium of podcasting, sound effects, music to communicate what might have happened that day. Thankfully, we don't need to do any of that shit because we've got the transcript. So I can tell you exactly what he said that day. Holy shit. And bear in mind, this is all absolutely real. I mean, I might go off script a little bit. Well, dope because it's it's very crucial to the story that it is because it's actually a pretty sure. nuts story. And when you hear what he's about to say, I think we do want to keep it to the script this to time. To the script, because I mean, it's so rare we actually have the dialogue that was said on the night recorded. And and granted, sometimes our stories are like they do need a bit of embellishing to kind of make it interesting enough. Yeah. But, but this time, I'm telling you, but we this don't. time stick to the script. Minimal improvisation. Barely take any creative liberties, but if necessary, no, jazz it up a little, ah, sex it up a little. No, I think like that, like just I think just none. Maybe you know, I think to appease you in this moment because I know what you're like and you get quite stubborn and you don't really take no for an answer. I can kind of see in your eyes you've stopped listening I'm to me. I'm already at this thinking point. about lines I can say. What I would say to try and fob you off yeah. is let's do a straight read. And okay. then we'll see if it's missing anything, and then we can kind of circle back and add in a bit of that Rory magic that we've all come to know and love. Okay. How does that sound? Yeah, I like it. Circle back or do it as we go. Either one, it kind of no, works for I me. Think, so I think... Action! <laughs> and action! <laughs> Fuck. Melvin, this is Delta Sierra Juliet. Is there any known traffic below 5,000 feet? Delta Sierra Juliet, uh, no known traffic. There seems to be a large aircraft below 5,000. What type of aircraft is it? I cannot affirm. It is full bright lights. It seems to be landing lights. Delta Sierra Juliet. The aircraft has just passed over me, at least a 1,000 feet above. Roger, and it is a large aircraft. Confirm. Unknown due to the speed it's traveling. Is there any Air Force craft in the vicinity? No known aircraft in the vicinity. It's approaching now from due east towards me. He's flying over me at three times at a time, at speeds I could not identify. Roger, what is your actual level? My level's four and a half thousand. Four, five, zero, zero. And confirm you cannot identify the aircraft? Affirmative. Roger, stand by. Melbourne, it's not an aircraft. It, it, it. Delta Sierra Juliet, can you describe the uh, the aircraft? Uh, it's flying past. It's a long sh shape. Cannot identify more than that. It has such speed. Before me right now, Melvin. Roger, and how large would the uh, object be? It seems like it's stationary. What I'm doing right now is orbiting, and the thing is just orbiting on top of me. Also, it's got a green light and sort of metallic. It's all shiny on the outside. <laughs> it's just vanished! 
Melbourne! <laughs> Melbourne, help! <laughs> you're going off Melbourne. script. You're going off script. I can see you're sweating and you're getting into this, but you are going off script. I literally forgot for a second I wasn't in the airplane. <laughs> I just started, like, <laughs> reaching in front of me for the ejector seat that doesn't exist in the podcast studio. <laughs> Melvin, tell my wife and kids. <laughs> Rory, you don't have a wife and kids. Oh, f*** Melvin. I'm going to take this thing into the water below. i got to take what I've seen to the grave. It's just vanished, Melvin. Would you know what kind of aircraft I've got? Is it a military aircraft? Delta Sierra Juliet. Confirm the, uh, the aircraft just vanished. Say again? Is the aircraft still with you? It's uh, now approaching from the southwest. The engine is rough idling. I've got it set at 2324. The thing is coughing. Roger, what are your intentions? My intentions are to go to King Island. Ah, Melbourne! The strange aircraft is hovering on top of me again. It is hovering, and it's not an aircraft. Delta Sierra Juliet. Melbourne! Delta Sierra Juliet, this is Melbourne. There is no record of any further transmissions from the aircraft. The only sounds that came through after the final words were bizarre metallic scraping sounds that the operator at the tower couldn't identify. Oh. Frederick's first and last communications took place at 6 minutes past 7 in the evening and 11 minutes past 7. This puts the duration of the entire event at just under five minutes. Wow, that was a lot to happen in five minutes. He never landed on King Island. In fact, he has never been seen again. Whoa! An intensive air, land and sea search was carried out until October 25th, but no trace of the Cessna or its pilot were found. A large patch of oil was spotted by air, but it wasn't found to be connected to a wreckage. A month later, the pilot of another Cessna saw the outline of what he believed was a submerged aircraft, but on another Passover, he couldn't find it again. Things aren't looking good for the rescue team if you don't even know what level of Earth he's on. What do you mean? You know, usually if someone goes missing or there's an accident, we can at least be like, he's on the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we know he's somewhere on ground at the very least. Right. The fact that these guys are going to be like, you take the sky, I'll take underwater. Yeah. And someone takes the surface. <laughs> That's so, like you're already adding two essentially dimensions uh, where this person could have disappeared. To. Yeah, this is like trying to find a missing persons in the kingdom of Hyrule. You take the water temple, I will take <laughs> the fire temple. This, yeah. It's going to take so long and it's so arduous and deadly to try and find anyone. I mean, we're not even considering the fact that this motherfucker might not even be on earth anymore by the sounds of it. <laughs> He's gone. Metal scraping was heard through the radio that UFO took a f***ing spatula to Frederick and scooped him <laughs> off his plane like a cookie off a baking tray. <laughs> scooped him into outer space. After their search, the Bureau of Air Safety Investigation released its findings, May 1982. The reason for the disappearance of the aircraft has not been determined, but the outcome is presumed fatal. How could it not be determined? I mean, what we just read, for the most part, was the actual transcript from the audio logs. Yeah. From that alone, I don't even know where we're going in this case, but from that alone, it feels like we got a pretty good explanation of what <laughs> happened. He wasn't being vague about what he was seeing. He actually described it in great detail. 
Right. Nobody knows what happened to Frederick or his plane. And, we do! And this is a decades-old <laughs> mystery. The it, disappearance. It no. The dis- sorry, let me do the <laughs> let me sorry. do the badass. I know, I, I know what you're trying to do. Subtitle. But with, the, with the big, I need the bass sound effect. We need the okay. bass sound effect to reel in the listeners because they honestly might have been drifting off during that big dialogue, which was granted very historically accurate. Yeah. But f- it, maybe looking back, maybe we should have done a little bit of Rory magic sprinkled in there because it might have been getting a little bit boring. That's why we need the bass <laughs> drop sound effect to really bring everyone home. All right, let's let's do it. The disappearance of Frederick Valentich. Uh, <laughs> no, it? yeah, I mean you can redo it if you want to put a bit more Sorry, excitement. Let, let, let me it. say that again, and you you, you do the same thing. The disappearance of Frederick Valentich, whatever. All right, you could, you don't have to kind of split it out. We could do it again. Play the bass sound effect. Boom. Rory, have you heard of this tale before? I haven't, which is kind of crazy because I feel like dis- mysterious disappearances and UFO events are two of my favorite paranormal cases to investigate. So it's it's a miracle that I haven't heard of this one before. You know, I did quite recently cover a similar case involving Officer Mantell. I don't know if you remember that, but he essentially, very similar, he was, I believe, a U.S. Air Force pilot who was a a goddamn veteran. He was a beast. He was basically a maverick from Top Gun who had a very similar experience like this. He, He encountered an unidentified flying object, had brief radio communication, and then the next thing they know, they found his plane in an exploded ball of fire. Yeah. Uh, and it was the first ever recorded instance of a U.S. aircraft being taken down by an object that they don't know what it was. Uh, so to see this happening again, we're seeing a pattern here. Absolutely. I don't remember when the Mantel UFO incident happened. Do you roughly remember? I'll tell you right now because I'll Google it. But I'm also aware it sounds like that we are, you know, covering a case now with a lot of similar themes. Um, beefcake military guys all flying jets together. So if you remember in that episode, I actually wrote a royalty-free version of Highway to the Danger Zone. So we own that. We own the copyright for it. So if you do want to play that at any point I don't. in this episode, just let me know because it was, it was actually a pretty sexy song. I'll let you know if hell freezes over. How about that? Because <laughs> when did this case take place? This one was the late 70s. I think this was earlier. I believe the date for the Mantel UFO incident was 1948. Wow. So it just goes to show how, again, you know, we've recently covered a lot of kind of recent UAP sightings, UFO sightings, and a lot similar to this of pilots being the first line of defense against the, frankly, alien onslaught, the, the covenant from Halo arriving on Earth. They're the first people who see what happens. They are the first people who are going to get in trouble if they come into contact with these things. But whilst that that is happening at a a crazy rate today, these things might have been happening some years ago, even as early as the 40s, even as early as the 70s. Yeah, it's true. It's really true. And like I said at the beginning, it's a good thing that we recently looked into Pine Gap, recently looked into the egg, the 200 mile per hour all day breakfast, Because we're, again, set in Australia. So if you do want to know more about the paranormal in Australia, and we know we do have a great Australian listenership here of TPL, if you haven't heard those episodes, go back and check them out. We have a lot of episodes set in Australia, actually. Yeah. Mysterious place. So getting back to our story, Frederick, gone, without a trace. 
All his colleagues, friends and family were left with were his memories and the transcript that we just read, indicating a strange beyond belief experience right before he disappeared. So at this point, they don't even know where he went. They have no goddamn idea. As the report stated, presumed dead. I mean, that report came out, I think, a few years after uh, this incident happened. That's crazy. Long after he'd already vanished, Frederick's father revealed that the previous year before he went missing, his son had spotted a UFO in the sky, moving away very fast. He told his father how worried he was that aliens might attack. But things got even stranger, because although Frederick was never seen again, I'm not actually certain the same can be said about his plane. The morning after the disappearance, a farmer in Cape Otway, an area along the edge of Frederick's flight path, saw an unusual flying object hovering above his property. The object was approximately 30 meters across, and it appeared to have a small airplane attached to its side. What? According to the farmer, the attached aircraft was leaking oil. He's so disturbed by what he saw, he etched the aircraft's tail number onto one of his tractors so he wouldn't forget it. It was that close? It <laughs> must have been. The uh, number matched Frederick Cessna. What? Uh, I will be honest, that is a lot to take in um, at this stage of the investigation. He, that is He read the fucking plates? <laughs> this guy is... <laughs> You've got a 2020 vision. This motherfucker had 5070 vision. <laughs> He's seeing like Legolas in Lord of the Rings. He can see two miles. Right. Yeah. Investigate this dude. I don't think he's from this earth. Little dribs and drabs of information like this started to come out. And that's what makes our job a little bit harder today on this paranormal life, because some of these conflict with one another. Some witnesses said that they saw the plane in the sky the night it disappeared with a green light shining above it. Now that's pretty cool because that uh, indicates that Frederick wasn't imagining things. He really did see something above him. This God, is, God knows this what it was. This is escalating very quickly. How many witnesses on the ground, independent witnesses have seen this thing now? I think a handful. Okay. Another pair of witnesses came forward to say, They'd seen a small plane matching Frederick's description landing in a quiet Melbourne suburb the day after he went missing. Mm. But conversely to that, on the 6th of July 1983, a year after he was presumed dead, uh, a piece of an aircraft washed ashore on the west coast of Flinders Island. After analysis, it was found to be from the same type of plane at least. Right. But if it was his, why did it take five long years to wash up if it had been out there all that time? Bro, how does this happen? How does a plane go somewhere and no one knows where it went? Hey, we've seen it before many times, whether it's the Bermuda Triangle, the yeah. other triangles, the Bridgewater Triangle, any of these mysterious zones where planes go down inexplicably. I guess that's it. I guess it, if it crashed or exploded or was taken away somewhere, that's how they don't know where it went. Yeah. I don't I don't see a world in which he landed somewhere and made an escape. There's no reason why. People know where planes land. That's like a big thing about <laughs> planes and airports. It's like there's a guy who tells all the planes when to come in at what time. You can't yeah. just sneak in and be like, well, you can't cut the line and land on the runway. 
it would be an international event that would take place. Yeah, there's only so long. I mean, Australia is a big place, granted, but there's only so long. You know, if we add all these bits together, the fact that he went dark on the radio yeah. and then the plane was never seen again, something happened. Now, granted, a farmer says that he was literally magnetically abducted by a UFO. Who knows? Maybe a UFO just took him down. I mean, we've seen uh, in a recent episode, the Department of Defense said that there had been something like 11 near misses in the last couple of years with uh, UFOs and army aircraft. Right. So these things do happen. They come close, they get too close for comfort, and they could cause accidents. Yeah. Rory, I think we're getting the picture that something about all of this isn't adding up. We need to figure out what's going on right after a couple words from today's sponsors and a quick reminder that every episode of This Paranormal Life, every single one, is available ad-free over on patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. Join Tom, Ben and Dan as they dive into the horror of the real world, unearthing terrifying stories that will make you sick to your stomach. Um, all right, mate, calm down. We're just a few guys talking about some disturbing cases. Well, we don't want to scare anyone off, but we have covered Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy, Jimmy Savile. I feel a bit sick. And then we've also done a bunch of mysteries and conspiracies like John Bonet Ramsey and Area 51. Ooh, I could murder a podcast right about now. Check us out at I could murder a podcast. <laughs> All right, mate, get out. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Rory, what's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Like, run a bath, call a friend on the phone. Ooh, an extra hour. Mm. Probably plot revenge. What? Plot revenge against my enemies. Okay, sure, well... I'd start with Keith. Well, like Rory... Oh, a lot just of us- saying his name! <laughs> a lot of us wish we had more time. But if we had it, what would we use it for? In life, the best way to feel like we have time is to prioritise what's most important to us and make time for it. Therapy can be a great way of looking inward and setting those priorities. Hey, I've got a priority, brother. Priority mailing this bag of dog poop to Keith's front door. Honestly, prioritise literally anything else. Therapy can help you gain life skills, set boundaries and communicate better. Well, I would like to communicate some thoughts to Keith. If you're thinking about trying therapy, though, why not start with BetterHelp? It's all online, so it fits beautifully around your lifestyle. All you gotta do is fill out a questionnaire and kablam, they match you with a licensed therapist, which you can, of course, change at any time. You can learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. Thanks, BetterHelp. Rory, you're not the only one uh, who heard about this story and started thinking pretty sceptically about what's going on, trying to figure out what's what's happened, because this isn't a guy who wandered into the woods, a guy with no passport or social security number who just got vaporised and didn't leave a trace. This guy was talking to the guy on the radio for a long time, he had a big, expensive airplane. Right. Um, as you say, there's only a number of airstrips and airports in the country we have to know uh, where he landed if anywhere at all the number one skeptics borderline MIB explanation for what happened is that he crashed of course sure and those same MIBs when asked where is all his shit they say sharks ate him I guess he landed (laughs) in the water and the wreckage floated to the bottom of the sea and uh, sharks ate his cold dead body 
They ate everything though? They ate the fucking plane? No, I said the plane f sank to the bottom of the ocean. Oh, okay, okay. But some think that there's one interesting word that Frederick mentioned in that transcript. He said he was orbiting and the thing was orbiting around him. Which I'm so glad someone called out because whenever I read that, I was like, all right, hey, I'm not a pilot. I'm not a pilot. I don't, I don't normally think that planes orbit. Right. Because I think planes' whole thing is they have to keep going or else they'll fucking crash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I thought that was weird uh, wording. Some people believe that he was describing a death spin. That's when a plane leans too far to one side and it starts turning in on itself and you basically loop and loop and loop the loop, uh, flying at such a bad angle that it is impossible to pull out from it. Yeah. And this is this has become a kind of favorite explanation with pilots that he was in this death spiral and said, I'm orbiting, I can't get away from it. It's orbiting above me. It wasn't orbiting. It was just potentially even staying still. Uh, but he didn't quite know what was going on and then crashed and burned. Deathspin is also the name of a special move that I use when people try and catch me. If the government is trying to get me to pay my taxes, if the police are trying to arrest me for my crimes. You don't pay your taxes? I cover myself in a stick of butter and yell death spin. And I can essentially slip out of almost any hold. It's, it's really remarkable. Yeah, I saw you in a car park the other day and the parking attendant came up <laughs> to ask if you had a ticket and you just, I saw you stripping off, stripping off in the middle of a car park, getting a stick of butter. It was extremely disturbing, but it did. It, he was scared and he ran away. It works. Yeah. That's why it's called the death spin. It's because it really scares people to death. It <laughs> yeah. doesn't really inflict any damage. Uh, um, it's weird that they're like, they're like, there's something strange about the transcript. He mentioned the word orbit and that's not usually how the trajectory of a plane would work. He said the thing disappeared. <laughs> he said the ship stopped moving and then disappeared. Are we forgetting that? <laughs> I can't remember in what order it happened, but but what's your problem? You're saying... I'm just saying it's like there's 20 different things that were weird about that broadcast. <laughs> oh, right. It's, it's not just, just like, it's, he said he was traveling at 24,000 feet, but the black box and the scheduled flight pattern said he should have been traveling at 26. <laughs> it's like, he said he saw a little gray man in the window of the fucking thing. He said he was dodging laser blasts from a sentry turret placed on top of the craft. He said a lot of weird shit. It's, it's not like there's one slight indication that something might have been askew. Right. Eagle-eyed viewers may notice something a little amiss. Right, this is, the, this is NASA's in-house doctors whenever, you know, Buzz Aldrin and... Uh, and the gang came back from the moon. There was like a doctor who, who his job is just to, he doesn't care about the moon at all. He's just <laughs> their personal doctor. And he's like, oh, oh, you had a tummy bug on the day you landed on the moon? Oh, that's very interesting. So tell me about what you ate that day. And then right, tell right. me about, uh, did you do any exercise? Okay, that's pretty interesting. And then kind of leave the actual meat and potatoes of the whole moon shit <laughs> and being the first man to land on the moon to all the other guys. Uh, you're saying that, Maybe it's it's a good point that maybe it's immaterial what happened to Frederick. It's a mystery that he went missing. Yeah. But we could, in theory, just presume him dead, presume him crashed, presume him crashed and burned. Yeah. But that doesn't mean he didn't see a UFO. Exactly. He could have been so distracted by what was happening that he crashed. 
Others say that he might have been seeing the lights from his own plane being reflected above him in the sky. Others say he was, quote-unquote, <laughs> accidentally flying upside down and thought the lights on the ground <laughs> of the city were actually in the sky. And to those people, I say, how dare you? This is so how patronizing. This is ridiculous. That's like saying some people think he saw his own reflection in the glass, thought it was a ghost, and crashed the plane trying to kill them both. It's like, it's yeah, basically. It, it, was he a child? Was he a six-year-old baby? I just showed you this, the Cessna, the type of plane we're talking about here. I think you'd know if you were upside down. If you're Top Gun's Maverick, yeah. Mav is so adept at flying. He might not know if he's upside down or not True. because he's just looping the looping all the time. But Fred knew. Fred knew whether he was upside down or not. I will say, you know, I've talked about it on the podcast before, as someone who has flown in a prop plane <laughs> and right. has flown upside down in a prop plane, it is, I'm not a scientist, I don't understand how gravity works, Sure, but there are instances where you are upside down and the world is up <laughs> and the sky is down, but it doesn't, but you're you, not, you don't feel, you're not being pulled up. Oh, I guess because of the whatever to do with like the momentum. And oh, I see what you're saying. The momentum. It's almost like the centrifugal force is keeping you just nicely tucked where you are. It's not like your arms are up on like a roller coaster. You're dangling upside down, hanging on Mm. by straps. However, it works. The motion, the force. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like you're upside down. Interesting. It's a very strange sensation. So, I do agree. That sounds insane. That he just (laughs) confused up for down. But, you know, as you said, this is a guy who's who's not learning to fly, but he's still in the very early days of being a pilot. Um, it's a great point and a fascinating insight from resident investigator Rory. Uh, but I think we can all agree that whether he got confused with lights on the ground, lights in the sky, we've all heard that transcript. You, you're not confusing that for five straight minutes with an object flying past you of unknown size yeah. at, at various speeds. Um, with he's green like, lights. He's like slipping through the sky, <laughs> looking up at Earth. My God, they're just like us. <laughs> a distant civilization has equally evolved. <laughs> His plane crashes into a McDonald's arches <laughs> sign. Dunk. The beacon's calling me back. <laughs> I'm in its magnetic pull. Hey, let me tell you, brother, I've been returning home after a few drunken nights and have been... You can uh, feel the tractor beam. Of the McDonald's golden arches, yeah. Look, we get it. The scientists, the skeptics, the MIBs think that paranormal believers are all morons. Yeah, sure, I dropped out of school before I could read, but that's because I knew I didn't need school. I was going to make it in the MBA. And yeah, when I hit puberty, I stopped growing. So the doctor said it was the only time he's ever seen a kid hit puberty and stop growing. So I went from being able to dunk in the little kid hoop to getting dunked through the basketball hoop by all the other kids that were bigger than me. So not only did I not get drafted into the NBA, but I also had to go back and reset the five years I didn't spend in school. But that doesn't make me less smart. That was just a bad business decision on behalf of my coach. Yeah, I think we're getting a little off topic here, so maybe let's steer it back just to the plan. Just because Frederick is scared of UFOs, that doesn't mean he doesn't know what down is or up is you were bad at basketball by the way so height wasn't even really a problem you couldn't even dribble the damn yeah, thing but you don't have to when you're as tall as i was proportionally as a four-year-old you don't need skill <laughs> you're like you think michael jordan can dribble they pass it to him and he dunks 
<laughs> when you can dunk from the half court line and show that half court line is a novelty child size court, you don't need to dribble. But Rory, you did make a good point earlier. Unfortunately, you did, which is his interest in UFOs, it's a bit of a red flag. It is. Uh, some people think that his fascination with UFOs actually got him killed, that that might have even been his intentions of his final flight. Some say the only reason he became a pilot was to search for alien crafts. There you go. That's what I was getting, alluding to at the start of this podcast. It's a bit of a weird situation to be in if this guy, while preparing for his first ever flight, is, you know, talking to the guy at headquarters and they're like, hey, so uh, this is the plane you're going to be taking out today. Pretty standard engine, nothing crazy. You're going to be flying around uh, 30,000 feet. And uh, the pilot's like, interesting, interesting. And tell me, officer... Does the exoskeleton of the craft, is it able to withstand the piercing heat of a laser at approximately firing at the sun's temperature? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to check the the, uh, the instruction manual for the aircraft. I haven't actually uh, checked that detail. But if you if I alert your attention, it's got a pretty interesting feature down here. At the, interesting, uh, at the interesting. Wheel, uh, for the landing gear. And the uh, engine, huh? flooding it full of power, would that create enough force to be able to escape some sort of traction beam from a greater aircraft. Interesting. What's in, What's interesting? Just the thought of it. The sheer thought of it. Sure, interesting. I, I, I guess it is. I haven't actually come across an aircraft mm. with, a, a, what do you say, a tractor beam? Is some that, sort is that of. Sort of a, is, that a, is that a steel beam that you would put on a tractor? Sure. On a farm tractor? I don't really... I'm just sure. probably going to go ahead and ignore some of these questions and, and again, alert your attention to because you're going to need to pay attention to this next, next bit because the altitude gauge, it is right next to the ejector seat. So you're, I, I'm going to have to take your attention here because if you miss this by a millimeter, you could actually be in a fatal situation. So you're going to want to pay attention to on the rest. <laughs> Sorry, what's interesting? And the altitude gauge. Yeah, I'm showing you where the altitude gauge is. Uh, it's right what, here, but next to the ejector seat. What if one seat. were to reach an altitude beyond the gauge? Are you actually interested in right? <laughs> I see here the gauge maxes out at a hundred thousand feet. What if one were to escape the bonds of Earth? Interesting, is yeah, it not? You would, I guess, <laughs> technically die from a lack of oxygen. I'm gonna. Are need you a, a trained pilot? I'm gonna sir? need another craft then. <laughs> He's learning about airplanes for the first time. Interesting, interesting. And my oxygen supply and food supply for the Mars mission. Where will it go? Yeah, it only goes up for two my hours at a time. food supply. It's like, you're going to be up there for 25 minutes. Yeah. If you need food, eat now. Yeah, yeah. You could, I guess, take a peanut butter sandwich in the cockpit. Where are the hibernation pods located for the intergalactic voyage? Well, I feel <laughs> nauseous doing the cryogenic freezing. Question about the cryogenic pods. There is no cryogenic pod. Are they able to keep soda cool for lesser flights? <laughs> the sheer thought of being captured and making love to a creature... From another world. Interesting, is the it not? The guy has just left the room at this point. He's got his <laughs> eyes closed. Interesting. So interesting. <laughs> the guy left to go to the bathroom. The thought of making love for the first time in any form. Interesting, is it not, officer? I've been saving myself for them, for her. My alien wife. <laughs> for her. <laughs> He's got such a picture in his mind. <laughs> Interesting, interesting. Someone who doesn't want there to be another yeah, yeah, side yeah. to a conversation. <laughs> there could be no one else in that room. 
hard cut to him on the alien world talking to a six-eyed bug with human legs. It's like, what, sweetie? Aren't you excited to meet me? He's like, nothing. It's just... <laughs> eh. I just... I guess I was just expecting Jessica Alba, but green, I think. Yeah, you got to... Uh, look, as someone who has explicitly said multiple times on the podcast how... Uh, Day one, they will sign up for the alien human breeding program. <laughs> you got to be able to put your money where your mouth is. All right. We're not talking about it looks just like us, except it's got an extra eye. Yeah. It could be it could be a gas. It could be slime. It could be goo. Kind of hope it is goo. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, but you got to be ready to take whatever, whatever's out Stop there. Stop talking. No, absolutely. Getting back to Frederick, Rory, here's what we do know. A lot has been said about what all his motivations are. All I'm saying is my human kids, are. all I'm saying is my human kids don't want anything to do with me. Might as well have an alien one, see if that little guy wants to hang out. Bad attitude as a father. To them, I am a creature from another world. <laughs> to them, I do speak another language because they live in Belgium. <laughs> with their mother. <laughs> Every Christmas... Mum says they're going to get a call from their dad and it's just a five minute call of me crinkling a sandwich bag on the other side going, I'm just so happy to see you kids again. I think that, I just don't know. I think that I'm not, I'm not going to be able to make it to Belgium this year. <laughs> I'm standing in the airport, kids. I'm going to get on that plane. Oh, oh, what? Dad, we know what you're doing. You're doing, you're doing the canceled flight trick again. Oh, I'm looking at the board and... I don't see my flight. I, <laughs> this is crazy. I, I might have to call you guys back, but hey, hey, you. Hey, mister. You got to explain to me why, why my flight. You. This would be crazy if my flight was canceled for the eighth year in a row to fly home for Christmas to see my kids. <laughs> what? You're telling me it's canceled? And the kid's old man needs to just stay at the airport pub and drink over Christmas? <laughs> That's crazy. You just hear in the background, like, gong, gong. Uh, now boarding flight 271 to Hawaii. All right, kids, got to go. Old man's got to wrap it up, though. We'll catch you, I'll catch you at the next one. Funny more Christmases to come. <laughs> Aloha. That also means goodbye. <laughs> A lot has been said about Frederick's motivations, what we do know and what we don't know about what he was thinking. Here's what we do know about Frederick. Yeah. He had been rejected twice by the Royal Australian Air Force due to inadequate education. I mentioned before that he was studying for his commercial license. I didn't mention he had already failed all five of his exam subjects twice in a row. Then a month before his final flight, he failed three more of the five. Jeez. Frederick also had a reputation for getting himself in trouble in the sky. He'd already had three incidents in the year that he was learning to fly. On one occasion, he strayed into restricted airspace. Twice he was given a citation for purposely flying blind into thick clouds. Okay. So they've been quite patient, it seems like, with this dude. So if you take an amateur pilot, throw in, sure, the bright lights of Venus, Mars, Mercury, and Antares in the sky that night, and then sprinkle on some hardcore UFO obsession, does that recipe equal one disappeared Frederick? Yeah, it really does. You know, if this was an instance that was isolated, a standalone thing that came out of nowhere, that would be one thing. But we are seeing the pieces of a puzzle come together and that puzzle is forming a logical conclusion uh, which is unfortunately what we weren't looking for on this podcast Rory at the end of every episode we have to decide whether our uh, paranormal case today actually is paranormal or not 
Yeah. Um, we've talked a lot about what happened to Frederick. We've talked about some of the potential theories. The paranormal one, obviously, being that he had an interaction with a UFO, that he at least saw one, uh, and that may or may not have caused his crash or disappearance or whatever. I suppose what we're coming down on is not whether he was abducted. I don't think that's necessarily on the table. I think it's was this just an accident waiting to happen, a UFO nut that got into flying, or did he actually see a UFO that night, a real alien UFO, and that's what caused this fatal crash? I think the history that he's had combined with an interest in UFOs is creating an environment where this was almost bound to happen. I'm not saying that he didn't maybe see something that night, but for us to take the leap and say that it was a craft from another planet without any evidence other than the radio call that preceded the crash, uh, that's quite a leap. It really is. Um, I think, unfortunately, just because of that and the history with the individual, I'm going to have to give it a no this week. I think I'm in the same camp, Rory. Uh, I think there are too many red flags uh, for this one. And I think it's a double no on the case of Frederick Valentich. I mean, when we looked in the Mantel incident, that was a great case of the opposite of this. A pilot who had no history of UFOs, Mm. um, was like a fully trained professional pilot. I think one of the best people said it, it was crazy to think that even if it wasn't uh, paranormal that he would crash his plane at all they were like he knows what he's doing up there um, so that one kind of had more stable legs to set up the possibility of a paranormal incident yeah and it's not alone you know we had um, I'm trying to remember the name of the case but there was one a while back in more modern times I believe when if you remember uh, a commercial airline pilot basically had a football stadium sized UFO float next to them. And this guy was like, man, I, I'm this is my job. Like I, right, I, I, yeah, I yeah. fly cargo around the world. I've logged up like a hundred thousand hours in the air or whatever. Um, I've never seen shit like this before. That's what we want to see when we hear from an experienced pilot. Yeah. Not someone who is the first time they get up in the air, they're like, I've seen it, the face of God. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Uh, which unfortunately is kind of what we have in this week's episode. But a great case nonetheless, quite a famous one. I'm sure many of our listeners will have heard of it. And I do have to give a quick thank you and shout out to Sam O'Grady, Hallie Weisberg, David Rose, Emily Fellerer, Kieran White Christmas, oh my God. James Nichols, Jesse Franks, and probably very many more. But those people all wrote in and suggested this over the last five years. How did I miss this? I honestly don't know. I think you were flying through our email inbox, thinking up was down and down was up, uh, and reading Frederick Valentich's name backwards. But as we say, we've had lots of great paranormal cases set recently in Australia. So if you like the flavor of this episode and you want to hear more, go check those out. Check out Pine Gap. Check out All Day Breakfast. Sorry, our recent uh, case about the egg. Yeah, well, as I said, don't just call it the egg. Treat it with a bit of goddamn respect. (laughs) It it was was, a double yes, technically. Sure, it was shaped like an egg in an egg cup, but it picked a family up off the road and and chucked them. So So we know some stuff's going on in Australia, for sure. I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I think it's quite rude and, um, and cruel to the victims of the event that Kit thinks there's something funny about a family getting blown roadside. 
yeah, I just, I just want to keep it PG is all. And I just, the fact that you can't see what's funny about that or, or adult themed, I just think we should move on probably. What are you talking about? I don't want to talk about it at all, actually. The egg sucked a family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you understand? Just, just... I don't understand what's funny about this. <laughs> you're, you're looking at me so sternly, so sternly. You scarred them for life, all right? Treat them with the respect that I treated today's case. You didn't give it any respect. You give it a no. <laughs> That's true. That is true. But I uh, I think I was quite patient with the story, <laughs> and I, I did appreciate it. And I it was a good I kept one. my snickering to a minimum. I really I say, did, through yeah. the most ridiculous parts. Um, of course, guys, if you cannot get enough of this paranormal life, you know where to go to get more investigations, full-length investigations, not only that, but weekly behind-the-scenes after-party podcasts. Not everyone knows that, you know, the episodes you listen to here on the main feed, there's four of them, one a week, coming Hell out every yeah. week. But there's five more podcasts a month coming out over on patreon.com forward slash This Paranormal Life. Damn, that's so much extra bonus juicy content, Kit. It's really cool stuff. We actually have a blast um, talking through everything that's going on in our world and uh, a debrief of each case um, as we do it each week. And just as an example, in recent weeks, we announced our first ever world tour of This Paranormal Life. Going to America, going to the UK, performing live. And the patrons had an exclusive pre-sale to that tour uh, because that is one of the rewards that we promise to all our patrons over on Patreon. Um, A patron's pre-sale for all tours. Not only that, you get bonus episodes, monthly raffles, and even some insane rewards like on our uh, 50 bucks tier where you can get a limited edition Knight of the Commune gold and silver coin. Jesus. Yeah, there's a lot over there. If if you're a fan of the show, you're enjoying it, you want more, it's the place to go. It really is uh, a great home for this paranormal life. I will say though, if you really want to get your hands on some juicy paranormal evidence of life existing outside of our solar system, here's a little fun fact for you kids at home. You can build your own rockets. That isn't illegal technically. I think it is. No, you can do it yourself as long as it's on your own Flying in restricted airspace, I think that is. Flying in restricted airspace, yes, technically is illegal. But a rocket with the right amount of fuel highly explosive fuel, very dangerous stuff, Definitely does not, illegal. Does not technically illegal. fly, it explodes. Did it you ex- say something about kids doing this? Kids at well? home. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Don't say And don't that. ask your parents as well because they'll sure just do. give you, mar, 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 mar. don't do it, it's not safe. Oh, it's really dangerous. Who's this guy on the internet that's telling you to send rockets to the moon? All you need is- I'm telling you. Essentially- Don't do it. As much explosive material as you can find and a fucking bin- Get inside with a little spacesuit. It doesn't even have to be a metal spacesuit. Just put a bag on your head. Don't put a bag <laughs> in your head. Don't. And, Children, stop listening. You are going to get a suit. You're going to get a suit. Our lawyer is listening to this, tearing his hair out. And, and hey, if you feel like you're not ready for it um, and you, you don't want to do it without a little advice, that's what I'm here for. I'm so excited to launch um, the, the this, this summer. This summer is the first ever inaugural summer of the uh, Rory Powers Space Academy. The only thing you're launching is a career behind bars in prison. <laughs> there is the Rory Powers Space Academy. Good luck trying to keep me behind bars, brother, because if I get my hands on my materials, I'm going up. I'm you're going a terrorist. Straight out of that. <laughs> you, you described building 
a, a bomb and putting it inside a, a bin. A, a, a rocket. I said a rocket to the moon. You said put a bomb and put explosive materials inside a bin and wrap a bag around it. You described creating a petrol bomb. Look, if I ever get enough money to get onto a rocket ship that NASA built, and I think I'm going to go see the corners of the universe and see what out, what's out there. That's like think, thinking you're going to see the corners of North Korea when you go on a guided tour. They're not going to show you the shit they don't want you to see. <laughs> so you're saying you have to go yourself. To I have to go myself. I have course. to build my own rocket. And yeah, if that means, you know, the V1, the V2, the V3, the V4, 4 through 7 through 9, all exploded, causing horrific burns. That's why we actually shoot these all these videos from just the uh, the waist up. Uh, because my legs look like two breadsticks <laughs> toasted to pieces. Uh, if that's how things have to be done, then that's how they have to be done. <laughs> Rory's <laughs> legs look like vanilla bean pods. Just completely charred, wrinkled little poles. <laughs> but I really think V14 is going to work, and uh, the payoff is going to be worth it. Rory's been talking for so long. I actually, I flipped. I think we should put him in a bin with explosive <laughs> devices. See what happens. It's just me with a with a space helmet on in a bin <laughs> and a roll of condoms going, interesting, interesting. <laughs> See you soon, my sweetheart. <laughs> so, so the condoms indicate you have no intention of breeding anything. You, you're, it's, it's a pleasure trip only. <laughs> Not to get into the details or anything. <laughs> so you're br- you're bringing family planning contraceptives <laughs> to, to the corners of the galaxy. It's a noble quest. It really is. And at the end of every episode, we give a shout out to those on the twenty dollar and higher tier of our Patreon. The shout out tiers. So a special. You're funny, man. So a special thank you're, you, you today. Me up. To- Sorry, no, I know we we're doing like shout outs and stuff, but I don't. I don't think Why I'm interrupting. Said it I just want to say how funny you are. You really make me laugh. Thanks, man. You're like, you're like a light often in like a really dark world. <laughs> so, are you drunk? So no, I'm just. I just feel like I don't say it enough. Like how right, good a friend you. you are and how much I appreciate. Yeah, you're funny funniness. too. You're Thanks. funny too. Hopefully you are because we're professional investigators making a comedy podcast. So hopefully we are funny. Hopefully, really. So hopefully people at home agree. I just feel like sometimes I don't say it enough. So you're doing a, no, you're doing a really good job. And I do appreciate it. And I do appreciate it. So. Thank you very much. And, and I'm doing, and you said I'm funny as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just double checking. Because mine you just today. felt, uh-huh. sorry, I don't want to interrupt too much, but it felt like mine was kind of like just an impulsive kind of straight from the heart thing. And yours felt like a bit more like an obligation. Like I said it first. Well, I wasn't, I was planning on, yeah, I was planning on finishing the episode for sure. <laughs> right, yeah. So. But do you think it, it, do you think I am funny though? You think it wasn't forced? I do think you're funny. Okay. I do think you're funny. Cool. I actually think you're, I think you're very funny. I think you're a great writer and a great, uh, and, and a great, I needed you know, that. other half of this podcast. I honestly you know? needed that. And I think we're greater than some of our parts, you know? I really appreciate that. I really needed that today. To be honest, I only even said the first part to you, hoping that I would get it back. <laughs> so you don't <laughs> think, you don't think <laughs> that? It's not even so. No, I just. I'll be honest. <laughs> I only said it to you because I want to finish the f-ing episode <laughs> and get the shout outs done. So. <laughs> All right, let's let's do it. Let's do it. But let's keep it funny. You're smiling now. You're smiling ear to ear. I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. Let's show them how funny we are with a couple of zingers to end the pod. All right. Well, here's a little slow ball for you. Thank you to Clinton Rorick. All right. Let me just 
bat this. We can bat it, bat it back and forth. Boom. Clint, what did you say the name was? Clinton Rorick. Clinton Rorick. Um, you're smacking your lips so much. <laughs> well, I'm nervous now. Because I feel like before this, we just established how funny we both are. And now yeah, none yeah. of us is saying a fucking word. But I, th- I feel like normally if you relax, that's the best way to be funny. Is relax. Let the, let, the, let the comedy flow forth. You know what I mean? Let the things that you want to say just, just flow. Don't Clinton, think of, don't think about them. are you my ex-wife? Because you've got the roar ick. <laughs> Apparently, you don't want anything to do with yeah, Rory anymore. Good, yeah. Just the, the th- you don't even have to get to the Y. Just the R-O-R gives you the ick. So, Clinton, if you'll just give me another chance. That actually elicit a laugh from me. Super uh, play. I think I, can, I think I can win you back, Clinton. Thanks also to Molly Jerris. Molly Jerris is very generous. She gave me twice as much jet fuel to put in my bin uh, <laughs> as, I go, as I journey to Mars. To meet and maybe copulate. We'll see how things go with the first alien race uh, humans find. Uh, Molly was super generous. She was like, wow. "Oh, you're going, you're you're jumping into a bin with explosives. Here, take some petrol." I said, "Oh, thanks so much. You know, yeah. fuel's expensive, so really appreciate." It. She was like, "Oh, do you know what? Here's some goddamn matches." Kit, you son of a bitch. Right. I yeah. was like, weird to be so rude, but I appreciate the gesture. She was like, you're going to want to douse the insides of the craft with gasoline as well, just to make sure that thing really goes off. And you're like, yeah, okay. It's great. And it's nice because she was really uh, mean to us like a week ago. Uh, she was saying how much she hated the show, even really bad comments, uh, w- wishing something really terrible would happen to us. So it's nice to see that she's yeah, come around. Yeah, did a 180. She also said, which was really kind, actually, because I was worried about where I was going to put my belongings. She said she'd hold on to all my wallet and shit while I was gone. Wow. Because I won't need it in Mars. That's so. Yeah, because what, what is Earth money on yeah. Mars? 100%. Yeah, I see at the end of that email, she says she she thinks I should come too. Oh, that's cool. That's wicked. So I, guess, I guess with the fuel she gave me, we could probably send both of us. Yeah. I got enough rubbers for both of us, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you also. <laughs> lastly today to Sarah Ford. Sarah, in order to afford myself a trip alongside Kit to Mars, we're going to have to look at adapting the bin. Craft. The craft, not the bin. It, it is a bin, though, yeah. But we've, mod- we've modified it, it. We've modified it. So, so um, Sarah, if you could help us, we need to build kind of like a little sidecar a little pod that we can attach to the side of it and maybe get me a little pair of goggles and a scarf <laughs> and a hat so I can just ride alongside Kit as we venture to the corners of the universe. Um, yeah, just l- let us know. Let us know what the budget is and we can uh, start drawing up some blueprints. Couldn't agree more. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you to everyone we've shouted out uh, this week. We'll be back with more shout outs from next week. Thank you to all of our patrons. Thank you for listening to this goddamn episode. Hopefully, we're going to get back on our yes train from next week. We'll see what happens because we're going to come back to you on Tuesday with a brand new Paranormal Tale and uh, before then on Friday uh, with the after party over on Patreon. Until then, remember to live fast, investigate, and die young babies! Join Tom, Ben, and Dan as they dive into the horror of the real world, unearthing terrifying stories that will make you sick to your stomach. Um, all right, mate, calm down. We're just a few guys talking about some disturbing cases. Well, we don't want to scare anyone off, but we have covered Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy, Jimmy Savile, for this. and then we've also done a bunch of mysteries and conspiracies like John JonBenet Ramsey and Area 51. Oof, I could murder a podcast right about now. Check us out at 
I Could Murder a Podcast. <laughs> All right, mate, get out. <laughs>